You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Man, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk is on the phone. of the podcast of the Super America. We go to our sports podcast. It yeah. is Wednesday, June 29th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody... Is having a great day, and I cannot believe I am saying this. I hope everybody is ready for the final episode of June 2022 of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. Here is what we are going to get into. We will start a weirdly busy week and month in college football. So we talked on Monday's show about Jaden Rashad, but really we talked about Florida, right? Florida. Billy Napier, their head coach, Florida fans are frustrated. Much of it centering around a four-star quarterback named Jaden Rashada. Well, fast forward. After I finished recording, we got a crazy update on Jaden Rashada. It is NIL-related. He's got a lawyer basically admitting to NCAA rules violations. And what I want to talk about is not so much what happened, not so much whine about NIL. I know I have done that way too much this fall. But instead, what I want to explain is why this whole story this Jaden Rashada four-star quarterback down to Miami and Florida. Why this is the best example yet of why your favorite school, doesn't matter what your school is, doesn't matter if you're a Texas A&M fan, a USC fan, a UCLA fan, a Louisville fan, a Kentucky fan, Memphis, whatever. This story is the perfect encapsulation of why everyone in college sports is frustrated with the current state of NIL. I promise I will not yell and scream and complain about NIL, but it's a really interesting segment. I think you'll enjoy it. From there, we'll talk a little bit about our old buddy Arch Manning. Remember him? Well, since he committed last Thursday, Texas is on a recruiting run for the ages, and I do believe that it is a direct reflection of them signing Arch Manning. I tell you why it's important. Finally, we wrap with a little bit of college hoops. The Really, since the NBA draft deadline, rosters are set. We know what the season is going to look like next year. And I think there is one storyline about the top two teams, two teams that have separated themselves, that I think is complete nonsense. And we're going to talk about why it's nonsense and why I believe that college basketball in 2022-2023, yes, we're still a solid three, four months away from the start of the season. Why I do believe that it is more wide open than many of the experts, outside of myself, of course, believe it to be. 
that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll say this. I really do think there are two really good college football topics that I do want to dive into here on today's Aaron Sports Podcast. We're going to get to Arch Manning and the impact that he is already having on Texas recruiting in a minute. But before we get to it, I kind of want to do a follow-up from a story that we talked about on Monday because there's been a new twist since I recorded on Sunday night, since I posted on Monday, and over the last 48 hours. And if you remember on Monday's show, we talked a lot about week one college football. That was a fun segment. Everybody had a good time. We laughed. We cried. All that good stuff. But we also talked about what is going on at Florida, where Florida fans are, without him ever coaching a game, already frustrated with Billy Napier, the new head coach. And I think it's a small minority, but there, there are some. And most of the frustration centers around all sorts of stuff. But the big story that I think really rallied Florida fans in a negative way was that on Sunday, Florida lost a long time, a kid that was believed to be a long time Florida lean, a kid named Jaden Rashada. And I think I called him Jalen Rashida on the show. Whatever. Forgive me. It, it's June. It happens. But Jaden Rashada, high four-star, low five-star, was long believed to be a Florida lean and ends up committing to Miami. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for some Florida fans. Well, like I said, there has been a new twist to that story, and we focused a lot on it from the Florida perspective. But now I want to talk about it because to me, this is a fascinating story, and it has all to do with the topic and the rage of the summer of 2022, and that is NIL. And it's not going to be a typical tourist just whines about NIL thing. It's fascinating. It's detailed. And to me, this is the best example yet of the frustrations. I'm going to take you behind the curtain in college sports about the frustrations with administrators and coaches when it comes to NIL. And it's nothing against this kid or even University of Miami. But what I would say is, as I just said, Jaden Rashada, I already told you the story. This kid was long, four, four, you know, high four-star, low five-star, probably a, one of the top five quarterbacks in this class of 2023. So he's going to be a senior this coming year. He'll play college football, not this coming fall, but the next one. And for most of his recruitment, he was deemed to be a Florida lean, was going to end up with the Gators, and set his commitment date for June 18th to make his college announcement. Then right in the lead-up to the announcement, he decides that he is not going to announce, and instead, he's going to take another visit, this one to Miami. And then shortly after his visit, he commits to Miami, and then, of course, the second that he commits to Miami, it becomes a big story of, well, this, this must be NIL, that's the only reason why, how could Florida lose this guy? He clearly chose Miami because of NIL. But you guys know my stance on NIL on this show. I don't just talk about NIL for the sake of NIL. Now, I got a little whiny there in April, May. I told you I did. I owned up to it. But the one policy that I've decided to take on this show, I don't just talk about rumor. I don't just talk about innuendo. With Texas A&M, I said, look, there's legitimate reasons why that school could have gotten the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. With Arch Manning, I don't believe it was NIL. I believe he thought it was the best decision. With some of the college basketball transfers, I thought, NIL may have played a role, but I'm not going to guess who's actually giving who what this, that, the other thing. But when this kid committed, it became a huge topic with the idea being the only reason that Miami got him was because of NIL. Of course, if that was where the story ended, I wouldn't be talking about it on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But really, that is where the story begins. Because on Sunday, a lawyer 
representing Jaden Rashada, decided, you know what, I'm tired of seeing all these rumors about NIL, and so instead, I am going to go on the record and do an interview and clear up any of this confusion. The problem was he created a lot more. Here is what this guy, the the lawyer is named uh, Michael, let me make sure I get this right. Don't want to call somebody the, the wrong name. Michael Caspino from Newport Beach, California decides, you know what, I'm going to clear this all up. I'm going to do an interview with On3 Sports to get this all straight. Here's what he said to On3 about the idea that NIL was the reason that Jaden Rashada picked Miami. He said that Jaden, quote, took considerably less of an NIL deal by picking Miami. He then continued, Jaden left millions on the table. Millions. He did not pick the highest offer. He went there because he loves Miami, loves the coaches, and loves the opportunity. So here's the deal with our buddy Michael Caspino, okay? I think that he was trying to do something noble. I think that he was trying to protect his client, Jaden Rashada, like any good lawyer or agent should. There's just one problem. When you say that he took considerably lesser of an NIL deal, when you say he did not pick the highest offer, that implies that he did in fact get some sort of offer and he did in fact take some sort of money. And here's the problem with that. The NCA only has one rule about NIL, and that is this. You cannot use NIL as a recruiting enticement, and if Jaden Rashada was offered, received, or accepted, I guess those last two are the same, received and accepted, a single dollar, that is an NCAA rules violation. So you, this is why NIL is the craziest topic that we have in all of sports right now. It is because of the fact you have a guy trying to help out his client and he just admitted to NCAA rules violations. And so what I want to do now, is, so first of all, let me, let me say this. A couple more things came out after that quote, but that was the quote that was important. But the other stuff that came out, Michael Caspino said that he took considerably less money to go to Miami. The reports and the rumors and stuff that, that, that On3 reported was that Florida offered $11 million, um, Miami offered 9.5. After that, Caspino then said, and this is a direct quote, he goes, Florida is the most dysfunctional collective. Collectives are these groups that collect money for NIL in all of college football. I plan on steering my clients away from them. From my standpoint, I never want to deal with them again. If it weren't for the collective that's completely dysfunctional at Florida, he probably would have been there. So you have a lawyer admitting to an NCAA rules violation. Then he says that he got offered more from Florida. Then he calls it the worst collective ever. Then on top of all that, our buddy John Ruiz got involved. By the way, I should mention Florida, the collective came out and said, we didn't offer him anything because that's against state law and that's not how we're operating. Then our buddy John Ruiz from Miami came out and said, I had never met this guy in my life. I don't know what he's talking about. So it's fascinating. And what I want to do now is this. Why I want to talk about this topic, why I gave you all of that setup is not to complain about NIL, right? I I just mentioned a minute ago, I spent all of April and June, uh, April and May whining about NIL. It's a crazy new world. It's not fair. It's not this. But this story to me is probably the single best story about the frustration of NIL right now in college sports. So what I want to do, listen, I'm on the phone all day, every day, right? Talking to coaches, administrators, whatever. 
And this story to me right now might be the best example yet of the frustrations of the new world of NIL in college sports for administrators, for coaches, and I'll be honest, I think for fans as well. The first part of it is nobody knows fact from fiction. Look, we all know that, first of all, when players get to campus, they're going to make money, right? We know above board Bryce Young made over a million dollars or around a million dollars last year at Alabama. We know that C.J. Stroud is clearing really good money at Ohio State. We know that Quinn Ewers is the fourth-string quarterback, cleared a lot of money at Ohio State. But I think, first of all, where it's frustrating for, for, for people in college sports, we don't know what's true and what's not. This kid could have gotten offered $11 million from Florida. He might not have. He could have gotten offered $9 million to sign at Miami, 9.5, but we don't know if that's the truth. And I think that's the first part of the frustration. We don't know fact from fiction. We all know that wherever this thing goes, until we change the rules and until it is officially an NCAA violation and until we see schools getting punished for offering recruits, we know that recruits are being offered money. The problem is we don't know how much, we don't know what, we don't know this, we don't know that, we don't know fact, we don't know fiction. And so I think that's the first part of the frustration here. I mean, think about it from the professional sports level versus the college sports level. In college sports, or in professional sports, excuse me, we have rookie contracts. We have veteran minimums. We have mid-level exceptions. We have the, ma- the, you know, the player max that a, a guy can sign, and we have all that. In college sports right now, we have guesses. We think that this kid got offered 9-5 from Miami. We think that this kid got offered whatever to go to Texas A&M, and I'm just using Texas A&M as an example. We think that Texas might have given Quinn Ewers this to get it, but we don't know. And so I think that's where it's frustrating is if this is the new world and if we have to pay, that's fine, but we just want to know like what's fact, what's fiction, what's real, what's not, and there's no knowledge of what is actually true and what's not. Beyond that, and this is important as well, we have the shady, and I'm going to call Michael Caspino. I don't know the guy. He's a lawyer. Good for him. There's good lawyers and bad lawyers, just like there's good teachers and bad teachers, good cops and bad cops, good reporters and bad reporters, good whatever you do and bad whatever you do. You got bad people representing these kids, and you got people that are just flat out lying. I'll give you an example, okay? So there was, I I heard this story over the course of summer. There was a very high-profile basketball transfer um, that entered the portal, and I was told that he had an agent and that he was saying and by the way, I should mention, put aside the fact that this guy is just openly admitting that this kid took some sort of NIL and that this kid broke NCAA rules. He's just, he's bad at his job. Like, like, like we can argue about what's right and what's wrong and what an agent should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. He's just bad at his job. I was telling somebody today, if I was Jaden Rashada's dad or uncle or whoever's advising him as a parent, I'd fire this guy in a minute. Okay, you got me, even if he did get him the 9-5, you can get your commission but I'm never dealing with you again because you're a freaking idiot. But on top of that, you have these agents that don't have the kid's best interest at heart that are doing what is best for them, not what is best for the kid. And so that's where I think it becomes a gray area. And to get back to the college basketball conversation, I'll tell you a story that I heard over the summer. Not going to name the players' names, not going to name the school involved, but it was a high-profile transfer, a player that you would know at a school that you would know. Like if I said this player's name, you would absolutely know who I was talking about. And I was told that he had an NIL agent, and the NIL agent basically got on the phone, looked at some of your favorite college basketball coaches, guys that that, are accomplished and successful, 
And he said to even talk to my kid, it's a minimum baseline of this. And I think a lot of schools, again, were kind of concerned about what's a rule, what's not, which we're going to get into in a second. But even when they got on the phone with the guy, he's sitting here saying, well, this school offered this. Well, that school offered that. And here's the problem with college football and college basketball and probably college baseball and softball as well. Everybody's got friends in the industry. And so I, I was talking to a, a school. They're recruiting a kid. They're told, well, that school offered that much. Well, here's the problem. That school took another commitment. They filled that scholarship. And then they, they, somebody, somebody from the first school called the second school that was both recruiting the same kid and said, did you really offer him XYZ? And they said, no, that's not what we're doing at all. And so I bring it up because this is another frustration. First, we don't know what's fact from fiction. Second of all, we have these, I understand an agent's job is to get the kid the most money. But does anyone, did anyone read those quotes from Michael Caspino and truly believe that he has this kid's best interest at heart? Because that's not what I read when I saw it. But finally, what I would say, I think this story is the best example yet of what I think is the single biggest frustration in college sports right now. Again, NIL is the new world. Everybody's dealing with it. Everybody knows that to get in the door with elite players, you're going to have to do something. You know, and, I, and I take that back. To keep maybe, maybe the better way is elite players, when they get to campus, are going to get something. Like the, the days of it being 1964 and room and board and scholarship being enough for a four-year player, it's just, it's just not the world that we live in. But where I think there's frustration is that it does feel like there are schools that are playing by two different sets of rules. There are the schools that are playing by the rules that are, were set and are, are, are being followed the way they were intended. In other words, we're going to set up NIL. We're going to make sure that you're taken care of once you get to campus. We're going to make sure that if you are very successful at our school, you are going to be in position to cash in and be the face of this school, be the face of the community, and make a lot of money. And then there are schools that are just saying, there's no rules, it's pay for play, we're going to do whatever it takes to get the best players. And I think that is where the biggest frustration is in college sports right now. You have two different types of schools playing by two different set of rules. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, I think the first group, it's pretty clear and it's pretty obvious which schools are are following the letter of the law because I think that they understand that eventually change will come. Eventually, we'll wrap our arms around this. Eventually, maybe the NCAA ceases to exist or maybe it exists. Maybe we get federal oversight. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to be playing by the same set of rules and if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. And we know who those schools are. We know that Nick Saban, at least publicly, I can't say privately what his assistant coaches are doing when they get in home with mom and dad or when they get on the phone with an agent, but at least publicly, that was Nick Saban's frustration. Hey, you got one school that I think is just paying players, just buying players, just giving them whatever they want to get them on campus. And what we're doing, we're doing it the old school way. We're saying, yes, you can come here and make money, but we're not going to give you anything up front because that, that breaks state law in some cases and college, college, you know, the NCAA rules. And so we know Nick Saban's playing by that set of rules. By the way, you know who else we know publicly is playing by that set of rules? John Calipari. He talked about it. When they lost a, a transfer this offseason, he said, we're never going to make a, a guarantee for NIL in recruiting. And at the time, I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But the reason is pretty straightforward. It's against Kentucky state law for him to do that. And so I can't say what happens, again, behind the scenes when nobody's around. But he just said publicly, like, look, some schools are just just guaranteeing whatever a kid needs, whatever a kid wants to get him to campus. 
We're not doing that because that's against our state law. Ryan Day, a few weeks ago, you probably saw the headline. I didn't talk about it because I was traveling, but he said the, the headline was it's going to be $13 million to keep our roster intact. In other words, once the season ends, the best players, teams are going to reach out to them to try to get them in the portal and, and, and guarantee them a certain amount of money to come to XYZ school. And Ryan Day said, we need this much money just to keep our roster intact. But if you actually kind of read the quotes and read the headlines and read everything behind the scenes, there was also kind of commentary that, that, that led me to believe that Ryan Day, the head coach, and Gene Smith, maybe the most powerful AD in college sports, the Ohio State AD, that they believe in like two to three years, we're going to have our arms around this. Everybody's going to be playing by the same set of rules. If you don't play by those rules, you're going to be in trouble. Where the frustration comes in, though, is pretty straightforward. There are obviously schools that are just not playing by those rules at all. I don't like to point fingers. Again, I don't get into the rumor and innuendo, but I'll just give you one that we know for a fact is. Miami, John Ruiz. He came out and said that Nigel Pack signed for $800,000 over two years with LifeWall at his company in NIL. That is a recruiting enticement. There is no way to dance around that. There is no way to pretend that that didn't happen. And so we can get into the adults. You know, I think John Ruiz, this Michael Caspino guy, maybe Caspino guy trying to be the center of attention, trying to make the story about themselves. But the bottom line is we know of at least one school, at least one booster anyway. I don't want to blame all of Miami. That is just not playing by the same set of rules as everybody else. I know some other schools that recruited Nigel Packett. It was like, we're trying to do it by the book, and this guy's just out here announcing that he's paying 800 k And so that right now is the biggest frustration, and that is, I think, the biggest thing with NIL that we have to wrap our arms around. It's one thing if, you know, if an, if an established player gets a certain amount of NIL. It's one thing if even there's a team-wide thing, if it's on the books. I think I've, I've said this story before, but I believe Michigan State, Every scholarship football player, men's basketball player, and women's basketball player, they get $50,000 in NIL money from some booster. You might like it, you might not like it, but that's on the books. Everybody knows about that. That's above board. That is not pay for play. That is not a recruiting enticement. Can't tell me it's a recruiting enticement when the five-star defensive tackle is getting the same guarantee as the backup you know, safety who's a two-star that they're trying to develop for three or four years down the road. And so that, to me, is the story to follow. And that's what makes this Jaden Rashad thing so interesting. It's because of the fact that it highlights all of this craziness that is going on in college sports right now that we're trying to figure out. It's that it highlights the fact that there are no rules, that we don't know fact from fiction. We, we see rumors. We see innuendo. We see numbers. But we can't confirm 99% of it. But then there's also a frustration because you have schools, at least publicly, not backing up anybody. I'm just using public quotes like Alabama that's trying to play by the rules, like Kentucky basketball, like Ohio State football, and they're competing with schools. And I'm not going to name them, but Miami basketball is the only one that we know of for sure that just are not playing by the same set of rules. And by the way, it appears as though Miami football is the same as you have a lawyer representing a kid saying he took significantly less at IL money. I don't get into the rumor in any window game, but it's not a good look. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break, and when I come back, I do want to talk a little bit about our old buddy Arch Manning. You may remember Arch. You remember Arch? Committed? Texas? Well, guess what? 
They are on a monster recruiting run since Arch committed. We are going to discuss that next. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to continue the college football conversation. I'll say this. In addition to the Jaden Rashada news over the last couple days, we obviously talked a little bit about it on Monday's show. We obviously talked about it on today's show. There has been another story that is worth monitoring and worth discussing from the world of college football that we are certainly going to talk about here today on the Aaron Sports Podcast, and it is what is going on at the University of Texas in Austin. When we last left Texas, it was about a week or so ago, last Thursday. You may remember what happened on that day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Arch Manning, grandson of Archie Manning, son of Cooper Manning, nephew of Eli and Peyton Manning, made his college decision, and he committed to Texas. But we're not really here today to talk about Arch Manning. We talked about him last week. I have a lot of thoughts. If you missed that, please go back download last week's episode. You can also find it on YouTube. But instead, I want to talk about the future of Texas and what is happening since Arch Manning's commitment because something very important is happening and something worth monitoring on a show like this is happening. Have you seen the recruiting run that Texas is on since Arch Manning committed to Texas. We're going to get into all of the details now, but let me just say this. We talked about it on last Thursday, uh, last Friday's show when Arch Manning committed. The reason you want a player of that caliber is not only because of the impact that he can have on the field, but the impact that he can bring to the rest of the program, and I believe we have seen it in the four or five days since Arch Manning committed. Let's call it the Arch Manning effect arch madness, whatever you want to call it. It is real though, Texas fans, and it is fantastic. And so if you don't pay attention to Texas football 365 days a year, I'm guessing most of you don't, many of you, maybe all of you don't. Here's what has happened since Arch Manning committed last Thursday. He commits on Thursday, big weekend for Texas recruiting. 
This is that time of year for people who don't follow the recruiting calendar religiously. You get a lot of on-campus camps. You get a lot of on-campus visits. You get a lot of FaceTime between top prospects and coaching staffs. And it was a busy weekend for the University of Texas. As I said, Arch committed on Thursday. By the time Sunday night turned into Monday, here is what happened at Texas. They picked up, and I'm going to go full LeBron James on you. Not one, not two, not three, but six commitments by Monday morning following the commitment of Arch Manning last Thursday. Included in those six commitments that happened over the weekend. Jaden Chapman, four-star offensive lineman. You want to start winning in the SEC, winning in college football, and period, because remember, Texas will be in the SEC before this recruiting class is done in Austin. You got to got got have the big guys up front. They also got a commitment from a four-star wide receiver from the city of Houston over the weekend, a kid named Jonah Wilson. Now, I can't sit here and say I'm a recruiting guru, but remember, Texas A&M had a historic, not only a number one ranked class, but some would argue the greatest recruiting class of all time last year, and it was in large part because they cleaned up in the city of Houston, so Texas getting a commitment from a four-star wide receiver, obviously skill position guy, out of Houston, nothing but good news for Texas. And then finally, over the course of the weekend, they also picked up a four-star linebacker from the state of Hawaii. Beautiful city, a beautiful state, by the way. Been there once, hope to go back soon. And if that was all Texas did since Arch Manning committed, it'd be great. But as the old saying goes, but wait, there's more. That's because on Monday, Texas picked up a commitment from five-star safety. Derek Williams, he's from the state of Louisiana, so you know it's big when you go out of state, you go into a soon-to-be SEC rival's backyard, and you get a player that the entire SEC wanted. Derek Williams, now the second-highest-rated player in this class behind Arch Manning. Oh, by the way, had offers from basically the entire SEC, including Alabama, Auburn, and others. And then on Tuesday, they got two other commitments, at least as I record here at about 6.30 Eastern time. I don't. By the time I'm done recording, they may pick up another one or two, but they picked up two more commitments, including a defensive lineman named Billy Walton. He had originally committed to Oklahoma State, flips to Texas, and why it's important is two reasons. One, he goes to one of the elite high schools in the state of Texas, South Oak Cliff in Dallas. It's also worth noting, he's got a cousin who is also on his high school team, who is also a Texas target named Malik Muhammad, currently trending to Texas a and not trying to discredit Texas A&M and all this. But you go into an elite high school, you get a good player who has an elite cousin, it can't be a bad thing. And so with this recruiting run, we now have nine commitments as I record, and there may be more by the time I get off the by the time I, I'm done recording this. And on top of the nine commitments, Texas's recruiting class did this. They went from number 19 in the country before Arch Manning's commit, all the way up to number three in the country, the number three recruiting class behind only Ohio State and Notre Dame. I, th I think I read something where if you just took the kids who committed, if you started with Arch Manning's commitment and only included that class, only included players that committed after Arch Manning and Arch Manning, you would have something like the sixth or seventh best class in the country. So this is an incredible run for Texas. And again, it goes back to what I said. I believe this is a direct reflection of players that want to play with Arch Manning. Now, really quickly, I should talk, you know, I should share the other side. I try to be fair on all accounts. Well, I think this is great for college football that's, that Texas is recruiting well. I think we all know that there's another side to this. 
One, Texas just is coming off a five and seven year. So let's not let's not get too excited here. Two, if you really go kind of player by player, 24-7 has this thing called the average recruiting ranking of individual players. Texas's number three class is really good, but it's also part of the reason that they're up to number three in the country is because they just simply have more commits at this time than most schools. Uh, 16 in total. For comparison's sake, I think Alabama has like eight or nine, something like that. I'd have to look it up. I'm doing it on the fly here, so I'm not going to go ahead and do it. But the point I'm trying to make is if you go player by player, Texas's class is probably in that like six to ten range, more so than it would be in the top one, two, three. And obviously Ohio State's going to continue to recruit well. Notre Dame's going to continue to recruit well. Texas A&M is, Georgia is, Alabama is, etc. And so we're a long way from signing today. Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Ohio State are a long way from completing their classes. So it is one four or five-day stretch in recruiting does not make an entire program. But again, if you're looking for positives for Texas, if you're looking for something to, to use a bad pun, hang your hat on, this is it. And again, this is a direct reflection of what I just talked about and what I talked about last Thursday. This is why it's so important to not only get Arch Manning as a commitment, but to get him as early as you did in June, it was interesting. I actually saw uh, an interview Steve Sarkeesian did with Pete Thamel from ESPN. And in that interview, Steve Sarkeesian says, it used to be you wanted to get really hot in recruiting in November and December. Now it's like June. You want to get hot this time of year, but it has to center around a quarterback for all of the reasons that we've talked about. When you get a, a, a quarterback recruit, This early in the process, and by the way, it doesn't matter if you're Texas and it's the number one player in the country, or if it's Wake Forest and it's not as highly rated of a guy, or it's, um, you know, Coastal Carolina and it's a guy that a lot of people aren't familiar with. It's important because that quarterback, if he's doing his job as the leader of the recruiting class and a future leader of the program, he's going to go recruit for you and he's going to end up being your best recruiter. And this is what we've talked about. The reason you want Arch Manning is because, yes, he's a little bit different. He doesn't go to all the elite camps, and he's not as involved. But now once he's a Texas Longhorn, he can get on the phone with all these other elite prospects. He can get on the uh, text, DM, whatever, however kids communicate these days. I don't know. I still use old-fashioned text messages and maybe an Instagram DM or two, maybe a Twitter DM or two. But Arch Manning now becomes your best recruiter. Arch Manning can now reach out to anyone he wants at any given time. Coaches have restrictions on who they can reach out to and when they can reach out to. There are things called dead periods in recruiting. There's no dead period when one recruit is talking to the other. Archmanic can text these kids anytime they want from now until that first signing day in December. So it's always important to get a quarterback this early in the process. And it's that much more important to get a quarterback that's the number one ranked player in the country with the last day Manning. Because think about it. Again, it's one thing to get a quarterback. Wake Forest is happy if they get a quarterback. Um, Florida International is happy if they have a quarterback at this time to help them recruit. But now think about the fact that Texas not only got a quarterback, they got the number one ranked recruit in the high school class with the last name Manning. And so Arch Manning, when he's texting or DMing or doing whatever he does to help Texas recruit, think about the impact that it can have on other kids. Now, every kid's not going to choose Texas. There's a lot of great options. For an Alabama fan listening, you still have a great program. I'm not saying Texas is coming for your your crown tomorrow. Georgia, you're going to do well. Texas A&M, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, you're all going to recruit well. That's not what this is about. But what it is about 
is that Arch Manning is now recruiting on Texas's behalf, and when, when he reaches out to kids, it carries weight. Because Arch Manning could have gone to any of these other schools. He could have gone to Georgia. They were in his final three. He could have gone to Alabama. They were in his final three. But he said, I want to go to Texas. I want to be the guy that when Texas gets to the big, from the Big 12 to the SEC, I'm going to be the guy that's one of the leaders of this program. I'm going to be the guy that brings in the other guys that help us compete at the highest level when we go into the best conference in college football. So if Texas is good enough for me, and I could have gone to Georgia and Alabama, it darn well is good enough for you. And so again, for the final time, I know that some of you are A&M fans. I know that some of you are Alabama fans. Some of you are probably, I don't know, Kentucky fans or Louisville fans or whatever. And I know that some of you are like, Torres, you guys in the media, you're always hyping up Texas. This isn't a June national championship. They used to call Mac Brown Mr. February because he always delivered in February and never in November and December. This is not me proclaiming Texas is back. This is not me saying that Arch is going to do this or Texas is going to do that. But again, as I always say on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, I'm doing the show right now. I'm doing the show right now, and I have to base my opinions based on the information that we have now. Now, for all we know, Texas could not sign another kid or not get another commitment between now and signing day and end up with 16 total commits in the 20th class in America. Some kids could decommit. Some kids could recommit. Some kids could go other, other places. Once Arch gets to campus, there's no guarantee how he's going to be. And yes, I understand that to win at the highest level of college football, you have to stack Class on class on class on class on class. It's why I think Texas A&M fans understand that this probably isn't the year for Texas A&M. I think the public thinks it's the year for Texas A&M. I think most fans think, you know what, 2023 has really got to be the year for us because that's when all these classes are going to mature into sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And so I understand that Texas not only has to have a top five class this year like they did, they got to make sure to close in 2023 and finish with a top five class next year. And then if you get another top five class after that, then maybe by the time you get to the SEC, you're starting to be on the fringes of what Alabama and Georgia are now. And then maybe with another one, you'll be able to win a title. So I'm not sitting here proclaiming anything for Texas. But this is why you wanted Arch Manning. and not, not, You wanted Arch Manning because he's awesome. But you wanted Arch Manning early to help you recruit. And I cannot help but think that when you get nine players committed... In the four days after this kid commits, including one five-star and three additional four-stars, that a lot of this has to do with Arch Manning. This is what I want to do. I do want to take a break. I do want to come back, and I do want to wrap on some college hoops. You know, one thing that has really popped up over the last couple days, uh, I've seen it in a lot of different places that cover college hoops, is, is there a tier North Carolina, Gonzaga, and everybody else? I don't believe that there is. We're going to discuss that next. Again, this is, of course, going into next year, but you get the point. We're going to come back. We will hit on that. I will be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute, but before we do, I want to welcome in a new sponsor, Athletic Greens and AthleticGreens.com. With one delicious scoop of AG1, that's Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Quick side story. The founder of this company, they were experiencing gut health issues and were spending over $100 a day 
on vitamins and supplements. They knew there had to be a better way. That's Athletic Greens. For the cost of just $3 a day, you can get Athletic Greens. Here's the best part. It contains less than one gram of sugar with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com emerging. That's athleticgreens.com emerging for one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com emerging to take over ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com emerging. Thank you again for being our partner. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Uh, and I do want to switch gears, and I do want to wrap with little college basketball. We talked a lot of college football to start the show. A lot of good topics in college football. I hope college football keeps giving us stuff to talk about because it has, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Obviously, over the next couple weeks, we will we will continue to kind of ramp up the college football. But in college basketball, it really is, and I know I've said it a few episodes in a row, a, a, a pretty quiet time in college hoops. Talked about it before, but the NBA uh, draft deadline is done. Transfer portal season is really done. I mean, we had a couple big late transfers. Pete Nance at North Carolina, who we'll talk about in a minute. Courtney Ramey, who I think is going to be a huge piece at Arizona. Um, you know, Keontae Kennedy at Memphis, maybe the final piece of what I believe will be another NCAA tournament team. Joey Baker goes to Michigan, on and on and on and on and on. But portal season is done. The draft is done. Rosters are set. And to be blunt, there's not really going to be a ton of college basketball to discuss over the next probably two to three months until we start to get to preview season as we get closer to the year. Now, something could happen. Last summer, Jalen Duran reclassified, Amani Bates reclassified. Amani Bates at some point should commit to another college here. But for the most part, it's a little bit of a slower time in college hoops. But what I'll also say is that really, since the dust settled on the NBA draft, NBA draft deadline, rosters get set, portal gets closed. There is one interesting topic to me 
that I have seen pop up here over the last couple weeks that I do think is worth discussing on this show. And listen, anytime we're going to have something college basketball related, we're going to hit on it. And it is one simple question that seems to be effervescent and pervasive in the media. How about those big uh, SAT words right there? Effervescent and pervasive. The point I'm trying to make is a lot of people are talking about it, okay? And the topic is this. Now that rosters are set, now that we know what 2022-2023 is going to look like, is there, first of all, is it UNC versus Gonzaga as the definitive who is number one in college basketball? And then I think the bigger question, the more important question, the more interesting question is, is it one of those two in one order and a big gap between everybody else? Now, I don't believe it is, but I do believe it's an interesting conversation that many in college basketball are having, and let's get kind of get into it right now. Now, first of all, where does this idea stem from? Well, first of all, I've seen a million people talk about it over the last couple weeks, but really where it comes from is... This is the time of year, especially when the NBA draft deadline hits, where everybody in the media puts out their updated top 25. I know I've just said it two or three times, but rosters are set. We know who is playing where. And so at that point, we know what everybody looks like heading into next season, and everybody kind of puts out their final top 25 heading into the following season. Well, you look at most of these top 25s, and I think people in the media talk, and they kind of look to see what other people are doing. But there is one very interesting thing. It does seem like every single person has either North Carolina or Gonzaga at number one and the other one at number two. Now, I don't, but for the most part, they do. Here is kind of the breakdown. I went ahead before I started this segment and looked it up, kind of looked up credible people, people that I like, people that I respect in the media, and here is what I saw. Jeff Borzello, ESPN. I don't know Jeff well. I think he is insanely talented, though. I think he's one of the best writers that covers college basketball. He has North Carolina number one, Gonzaga number two. Kevin Sweeney, Sports Illustrated, North Carolina number one, Gonzaga number two. Jeff Goodman, who I like a lot. I've seen him. I saw him at the Arizona-UCLA game just a few months ago. He had Gonzaga at number one, North Carolina number two. And then North Carolina picked up Pete Nance, the transfer from Northwestern, and he moved North Carolina back into the number one spot, Gonzaga number two. Gary Parrish, I've had him on this podcast a few years ago. Don't know him well, but I really respect his college basketball knowledge. He has Gonzaga at number one and North Carolina at number two. John Rothstein, another guy I've had on this podcast. Obviously respect John's knowledge. Nobody loves college basketball quite like he does. John Rothstein, you know him from CBS. You know him with all the uh, crazy sayings. He has North Carolina number one, Gonzaga number two. Now, if you follow Aaron Torres, that's not exactly how I have it, but I'll get into my personal rankings in a second. So I think the first question is, do I believe that it's definitively North Carolina, Gonzaga, and everybody else? I don't, but I do understand the argument why. For North Carolina, now I'll be blunt. I'll be honest. North Carolina, since the day that Caleb Love announced his return to college, and I almost said Caleb Williams, by the way. I almost called Pete Nance Pete Davidson a few weeks ago, and I almost called Caleb Love Caleb Williams. But when Caleb Love announced his return before the first deadline to even enter the NBA draft in late April, I said North Carolina's number one and nothing's going to change it, and here's why. North Carolina, in my opinion, best fits what the archetype, the stereotype 
of a, 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 an eventual college basketball national champion looks like. Really good one year, have a bunch of players who conceivably could have gone to the NBA and been drafted. They decide to come back the following year. Just think about Kansas this year. Ochai Abaji, he really went right down to the wire on his decision at, at this time last year. Ends up deciding to remove his name from the draft, comes back to Kansas, ends up winning a national championship, and ends up being a lottery pick, the final pick of the lottery at number 14. Christian Brown wasn't really an NBA draft prospect last year, develops into one third-year junior. He becomes the 21st pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Well, you look at North Carolina, and first of all, they have guys that fit that bill. I might be the only one that loves Caleb Love, no pun intended, bad pun there. I think he's a guy that, you know, I I really truly believe that if he had declared for the NBA draft, I do think that if he had gotten into workouts and he had been in front of NBA people, I think he would have been a first-round pick this year. Maybe late first round, but I think he would have been a first-round pick this year. Why is that? He's everything the modern NBA is looking for. Six-foot-four guard, great pedigree, McDonald's All-American, took a big leap from his freshman year to his sophomore year this year. This past season, 16 points per game, three and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, and as I said a few days ago when I was talking about North Carolina when they got a commitment from Pete Nance, not Pete Davidson, Pete Nance, (laughs) he really blew up Caleb Love did late in the season. 28 points against Duke in that final four thriller, one of the biggest shots in Carolina history. 30 points against UCLA in the Sweet 16 that elevates North Carolina to a Elite Eight where they end up beating St. Peter's. You go down the list with North Carolina. R.J. Davis, I don't know if he would have been drafted. I don't really know his deal, but 13.5 points, 3.5 assists, 37% from three points shooting last year. Great pedigree like Caleb Love, former McDonald's All-American. Maybe not the NBA player that you want him to be, but a really good college basketball player that is coming back next year. And maybe most importantly, Armando Baycott, who is the archetype, the definition of of a guy who maybe not built, maybe is not built for the modern NBA. That guy's a beast in college basketball, though. 16 points, 13 rebounds per game this year. Runner-up to Alondis Williams for ACC Player of the Year. And do you remember what this guy did in the tournament? 20-22 and 22 against St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. Okay, you're sitting there saying it's St. Peter's, whatever. How about 11-21 and 21 against Duke in the Final Four to advance to the title game? 15 and 15 against Kansas, essentially playing on one leg. And so when you add up the fact that those guys are returning, when you add in Pete Nance, who I talked about a week ago, the transfer from Northwestern, and you factor in that they were really good down the stretch, that is why North Carolina is my number one team. And I know what everybody's going to say, and we've been over this, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But people will say, oh, North Carolina just got hot over the last two, three weeks of the season. No, they didn't. They lost to Duke in the first game against Carolina, Duke, Car- the first Duke Carolina game of the season at the Dean Dome. That was way back, all the way on February 25th. With that loss, they fell to 16 and seven overall. They finished 29 and 10, which, as I've told you many times, over the final two months of the season, over the final 16 games of the year, they went 13 and three. They beat Coach K at Cameron in his final game at Cameron Indoor. They beat Coach K in the Final Four. 
They beat Baylor, the defending national champions. So don't tell me that they just got hot in the NCAA tournament. They were great down the stretch. So to me, North Carolina, I actually think is a no doubt about it number one team. People will argue. People will debate. People will say, oh, they're overrated. They, they didn't just get hot. Stop it. First of all, over the final two months of the season, they went 13-3. and Duke went 13-4. and And Duke lost everybody. North Carolina brings everybody back. And so to me, North Carolina, I, I can't see the argument for North Carolina outside the top two. Gonzaga's a little bit of a different deal, though. Now, if you want to put them at number one, like some people in the media did, and one thing I don't do on this show, I don't criticize other people's opinions, because we all have opinions, myself certainly included, my entire career is opinions, but I don't, make fo- I, I don't mock, I don't judge other people's opinions. If you want Gonzaga number one, that's fine, and I sort of see the argument, right? First of all, you're bringing back Drew Timmy, uh, two-time All-American, uh, probably right behind Oscar Shibway, the favorite to win National Player of the Year next year. I have an idea of who I'm going to pick. It won't be either of those two guys. No disrespect to Oscar. He's awesome. No disrespect to Drew Timmy. He's awesome. I got another guy who uh, I'll mention at some point close to the season. But on top of Drew Timmy, they do return a lot. Julian Strother, 11 points per game. He's kind of one of those players, and it's interesting, right? I was thinking about the guys like say, a Johnny Davis this year or a Keegan Murray this year? You know those guys that were really good as college players last year or were good as college players last year and then turned into lottery picks this year? I think Julian Strother could be that about 6'7", shot 33% from the three-point line. I think he has a chance to be really good. Rasier Bolton, 11 points per game, 46% from the three-point line. Where I think it gets interesting for Gonzaga is this. Nolan Hickman, former Kentucky commit, was a freshman at Gonzaga last year. Now, he played behind Andrew Nemhard, who was the first pick of the second round for the Indiana Pacers in the NBA draft. So I'm not criticizing Nolan Hickman for not producing as a freshman. Like, he just didn't play a lot because he was playing behind uh, uh, the first pick of the second round, essentially a first-round pick. But he averaged just five points per game, one-and-a-half assists per game in 17 minutes. That guy is now the starting point guard, and you're expecting him to step in and play at a really high level next year after averaging five points and one and a half assists per game, 17 minutes per game, you extrapolate that out. That's like 10 points and three assists per game over a 40-minute span. So he's got, I'm not saying he can't make the jump. I'm just saying it's going to require like a major jump. And then, of course, the other guy at Gonzaga that's worth noting is Hunter Salas, who, of course, was the McDonald's All-American two years ago, was a freshman this past year, averaged four and a half points per game, two rebounds, and uh, an ass- a half assist, half an assist per game. And so why I'm not as sold on Gonzaga? Now, I do like Drew Timmy. I do think Julian Strother is really good. But for people who have them number one or number two, and again, I don't criticize other people in the media. I'm just saying I don't see them as the second best team in the country. I really don't. Because I do think that you're, you're expecting and requiring one of those two guards to make a huge jump. And here's the other thing. I was talking to an assistant coach in college basketball that knows Gonzaga well over the past week. Doesn't work at Gonzaga. Um, doesn't coach in the WCC, but whatever. They said something really interesting. Not only are we expecting those guys to make a leap, but how do you find minutes for those guys with the two transfers that they brought in Malachi Smith from Chattanooga and Efton Reed from LSU. Malachi Smith, really talented player. Averaged 19 points, 41% three-point shooting at Chattanooga this year was a big piece to their NCAA tournament team, a team that, if you remember, opening round, almost upset Illinois, couldn't quite pull off the upset. Efton Reed's a former McDonald's All-American. 
Well, I just listed five really marquee players that are coming back for Gonzaga. Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas. I should add Anton Watson, who's been a key player for them for about the last three years. Dominic Harris, a really good guard, is coming back from injury. That's already seven. And now you're adding two transfers. Mark Few plays six, maybe seven guys a game. And so who's the odd man or men out? What does it mean for that locker room? I don't know. But I the combination of asking guards to step up, transfers to fit in, uh, you really have about eight guys, nine guys that think they should be playing big minutes, and they're not. And there's probably going to be six of them that do play big minutes. I don't see it. Now, if you want to have Gonzaga number one or number two, that's fine. I just personally don't see it. And to answer the second question, is there a big gap between Carolina and Gonzaga? No. I actually think this year, more than any other, I think there's actually, if anything, I think there's a smaller gap between whoever you deem number one and like whoever you deem number six or seven. Beyond those two, like like I personally have Houston at number two in the country, and I've talked about this before. But they, of course, make an Elite Eight this year. They're down their top two scorers, Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark. Marcus Sasser declares for the NBA draft and like blows people away to the point that people are projecting him as a first-round pick next year. He decides to come back. Tremont Mark is healthy. you still got the big guys down low. Houston, I know it sounds crazy. Houston's good enough to win a national championship. Creighton's the same thing as what I said about Carolina. They had guys good enough to go pro. They had guys good enough to declare. They got a kid, Arthur Kaluma, who dropped 24 points on Kansas in the NCAA tournament this year. He's coming back. He could have gone pro and and probably been a second-round pick. He's another one. If you think, you know, you go back to Johnny Davis, you go back to Keegan Murray, you go back to Jaden Ivey, and you're looking for that guy next year, Arthur Kaluma might be it. Ryan Kalkbrenner, back healthy. Talked to somebody at Crane the other day. They're telling me that him and, and Ryan Nemhard, Andrew Nemhard's brother, look really good. I think Arkansas is really good. We've talked about Arkansas a million times. Six top 100 freshmen, three McDonald's All-Americans, four or five impact transfers. You put that team in the tournament with NBA bodies across the board, everybody in that starting lineup is probably going to be a minimum of 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. You put them in and, and, and try to beat them. I mean, Arkansas made back-to-back Elite Eights. Now you're going to give Eric Musselman the most talented roster that he's ever had. Give me a break. Kentucky, I've talked about Kentucky all offseason. I think we are disparaging John Calipari way too much considering he's bringing back the National Player of the Year. Uh, A bunch of really good players around them in uh, C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves, Cason Wallace, I think is really good, and a starting point guard in Severe Wheeler who led the SEC in assists. Who am I missing? Who have I not talked about? Duke, I think, is very interesting. Um, UCLA, I'll tell you this. UCLA is that team. You talk about what I just said. Veteran t- players, veteran team. How about this from UCLA? Yes, they lost Johnny Juzang. They are going to have two fourth-year starters in their lineup. That doesn't happen at a blue blood like UCLA. Tiger Campbell, fourth-year senior, really a fifth-year senior, fourth-year starter at point guard. Jaime Jaquez. Fourth-year starter at small forward. He was hurt throughout most of the year, just underwent surgery. He's back to 100%. A Dembona, I'm just telling you, I've heard some things about a Dembona. He's the most athletic big man that they've had. Amari Bailey, I really like a lot. So I bring it all up to say, 
Just keep an eye. I, I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. This concept that it's UNC, Gonzaga, and everybody else, I just don't buy it. I think, I think it's, there's about eight or nine. One or two will fall off by the end of the year. There will be injuries or chemistry problems or whatever. I always say it's usually about five to six teams in college basketball by the end of the season that are good enough to really compete at the highest level. But this idea that it's Carolina and Gonzaga and everybody else, I just don't buy it. Whew. What a Wednesday episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Well, you know, I'll say this, man. I, I'm having so much fun doing this show, and it feels like we are not running out of stuff to talk about even as we get deeper into the summer. So I want to thank you guys and girls for your support, and I do want to get out of here. With that said, before we do get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and I'll tell you what, we did not do a mailbag today. Next week, we'll do a mailbag. Leave your questions. You want to do me a favor, leave a five-star review and leave a question as a five-star review. That would actually help me out a ton. I get a little review up. I get a question up. I get to answer it on the show. Ask me anything. As long as I don't get arrested, as long as I don't get a divorce, I will answer it. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review. Uh, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. We do have an Aaron Torres Pod Twitter page as well. Uh, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you do have a question for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you're following our individual team pages. By the way, one last thing, and I know I mentioned it the other day. If you love college football, the college football betting show with Aaron Torres, it is coming back soon. Um, we are going to have so much fun with that show. I'm going to start doing division by division, conference by conference, over-unders, uh, title odds. We're going to be doing so much stuff on that feed. Your mind's going to be blown. So go ahead, subscribe there if you love college football. That's probably where we'll do the college football preview stuff. The topics, the conversations, they'll remain on the Air Tour Sports Podcast. But we'll have a blast because that's what we do. We have fun. We talk football. We talk basketball. We have a good time. Uh, and make sure to send in your questions. Leave your ratings and reviews as well. With that said, I do think it's time for me to get out of here. Second episode of the week. We'll have a third one heading into the 4th of July weekend. As I said, last episode of June. We'll drop one July 1st. But we're here. We're at the end of June. July means one thing. It means media days, which means that when July is done, we go to fall camp. Fall camp leads to week zero, which leads to week one, which means we're like really close to college football. So with that said, I got to get out of here and enjoy the rest of this summer because it's going to end quick. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. It's time for me to go. Enough nonsense. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you Freaking J.J. Reddick, man. Just unblock me, you jerk. I'll be back on Friday. New episode of the Air Sports Podcast. Have a great day, people. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.